hands on deck. Or all hands to battle stations. I mean, where do you hear such, please, where do you hear, hear those type of things? In the military, right? On a, on a battleship, right? we just seen this, this video. And I think it's very telling of, 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 of the condition of the church in the United States. I mean, you don't hear those types of phrases on a cruise liner. I mean, how, has, has anybody took a cruise here before? Right? What would you do if all of a sudden, over the megaphone, over the cruise liner, you just heard, all hands on deck, prepare, prepare for battle, right? I think people would be pretty, pretty, pretty shocked. Those things don't happen on a cruise liner out in the Caribbean. You hear that in the midst of battle, you hear that with Navy sailors, but, and, and the thing of it is, is, is Navy sailors, they understand that they're on a mission. They're on a mission that, that is serving a purpose that's bigger than themselves, and everyone on the battleship has duties. They have responsibilities. No one is, is there for their own personal comfort. It's not, they're not there for ease. They're not there for just enjoyment purposes. I mean, we, we, the church in Jesus, of Jesus Christ in American culture is one of consumerism. Our culture is completely devoured by consumerism, right? You see the memes uh, online, you know, you, you got the person on a $1,200 MacBook computer um, drinking a $5 coffee, driving a, a Range Rover, and typing on social media, I hate, I hate, uh, um, oh shoot, no, I, <laughs> I hate, uh, um, capitalism on their $1,200 iPhone. We, we are consumer-driven. We're marketed to constantly. And unfortunately, this, this idea, this culture, this mindset has creeped into the church. We, we think, started thinking about churches in, in ways that, how does it benefit me? You know, how good's the worship team? How 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 good's the preacher? You know, do they have air conditioning? How what's their their coffee like? You know, all all of the all of these things. Who who goes to that church? You know, how, am I able to network in in that in that that surrounding? We are we base our our entire relationship with God on me and how it benefits me, and we don't think one thing about how does it benefit the kingdom, where does God want me to be, how can I be engaged, how can I be connected, am I being empowered to serve? Because that's the kingdom of God, do you know that? How, how, how do we transform the world? Not with a sword, but with serving. A military battleship is so different than a cruise ship where passengers are there merely uh, they're on board just for relaxation. People who go to cru cruises are looking for a good time. They're not looking for responsibilities, right? 
Do you know that the average cruiser, this is interesting, gained seven pounds on a seven-day cruise? So here's a question, because I want everybody to ponder these things that we're talking about. Is church supposed to look like a cruise ship where everyone comes to be catered to and seek personal enjoyment? Or is church more like a battleship where we all have responsibilities, we all contribute, and we're all living for a purpose bigger than ourselves? How do you approach church? How do, how do you see yourself as a member in the body of Christ? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is talking here, and Peter has just made the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And this is what Jesus says to him. And I tell you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. On this confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Jesus Christ is king, Jesus says, I'm going to build my ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. You know, this ecclesia was, was, a, was a phrase used back by the Romans. It actually was a Greek phrase, but... Every time Rome would colonize, mostly by war, different nations, Rome would send their ecclesia to those regions to teach Roman culture, how Romans do things, Roman law, the Roman way of, do, of doing things. All roads lead to Rome, right? And Jesus uses this word, about his church, church, the body of Christ, that we are the called out ones, that we are put in the earth to teach people how to live in the kingdom. How to live in the kingdom. And he says, the, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, that, and what I have always, and it's probably just my slow mind, but the way that I've always heard that, or the way that I've always interpreted, is that whatever hell throws at the church, the church is always going to be here, it's always going to survive. Until my lightning fast mind realized that Gates is a defensive tool, not an offensive tool. A gate is meant to keep people out. And it's saying that, Jesus is saying that the gates of hell, the hell that we see in our earth today, that is robbing, it's killing, it's destroying, those gates will not prevail against the church when the church invade hell. Hell, our culture can't keep us out. We're coming in with the kingdom. We're coming in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're coming in with a better way to live. Real joy, real peace, real deliverance. And he says, 
that he's given us the keys of heaven. He's given us authority. That you, you have authority in the earth. When's the last time you bound something? When's the last time you lose something? When's the last time you prayed? D.L. Moody said, Pentecost isn't over. Pentecost wasn't a one-time experience. The Bible talks of many, many outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. God is still continually, the Holy Spirit is continually being poured out. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes that we are to be being filled. We are to be continually filled with the power of Holy Spirit. That connection with the throne of God. And in the Old Testament, God's people were not engaged in certain ways. You know, when you look at the Old Testament, all of God's people, the Israelites, they weren't all engaged in the business of the kingdom. They weren't all engaged in what God was doing. They had priests back then, right? And the priests interacted with God on the behalf of the people. They were the holy men, right? You, you, you knew them as they, they wore certain clothes, right? They were, they, you couldn't touch them. They, and they were the mediators who received offerings from the people and made sacrifices to God on their behalf. And the people kept their di distance. Not only from the priests, but they kept their distance from God. They understood that only the priests could perform duties and go into the presence of God. To put it simply, where we live today, there is a sharp and radical distinction between, between what they had in the Old Testament and what we have now. In the Old Testament, you had the professionals, right? What, what we would call the clergy. And then you had the laity. Or, as I like to say it, you have common people and you have the super-dupers. Right? And unfortunately, church leadership has reinforced this lie that there are super-dupers in the kingdom of God and then they're just normal people in the kingdom of God. That is a lie. We are all equal in the body of Christ. We all have the same Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. We have all the same Word of God in the body of Christ. We have all the fruit of the Spirit in the body of Christ. We have all the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. Each one of us are on the same playing field. We might have a different calling, but we have the same equipment. We have the same ability. Right? I mean, likewise, you know, the prophets spoke to the people, people on God's behalf in the Old Testament, right? The people did not enjoy a personal sense of, of righteousness that we have now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Nor did they have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, living in the inside of them. God spoke of a better, a better day. And, 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 and Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The day that Jeremiah was writing is the days that we live in. Jeremiah's talk about a better day than the days that he had. 
And we're living in those days. And, and this chasm between God and the common people is, is, is illustrated best in, in, when Moses received the, the law of God. See, God's will was for Israel to be a people that were a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests. That was God's will for Israel. Israel. You can read that in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. But the problem was is that the people rejected God's will. And sadly, most New Testament believers have not been led to fulfill God's desire to be a kingdom of priests today. To be ambassadors for Christ in the earth. Look at what it says here in Exodus chapter 19, 17. Then we're going to jump to chapter 20, 18, 19. It says, Moses led them out of the camp to meet with God. Think about this. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of their habitations, their homes, to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And when the people heard the thunder, the loud blast of the ram's horn, and they saw the flames of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. How many Christians are still like this? Pastor, pray for me. I, I'll pray for you. But God doesn't hear my prayers any more than He hears yours. The faith that I have is the faith of Christ. And you want to know something? You have the same faith. You do not have a deficit of faith. You might have more doubt than I do, but you don't have any more faith. Uh, I don't have any more faith than you do. We still think that God doesn't hear our prayers. We still think that we don't have any power. We don't have any ability. And we have to go to the people that God does talk to. Or people say the super dupers. And I'm here to tell you, we're all super dupers in the kingdom of God. And it says, after this in Exodus 28, it says that God established a Levitical priesthood. Right? Aaron was, was, the, was the priest and his sons. They served as priests. And they were mediators between God and the people. Other members of the tribe to which Aaron belonged, the Levites, they assisted the priest in various duties around the tabernacle and later in the temple. These were the sacred places where sacrifice and worship took, took place, right? Only the priest could draw near to God. Only the priest can draw near to God. We still have certain denominations. We still have certain groups that think that only, only those that are priests, those that are pastors, those that are, that are, are uh, um, reverends, those, those are the ones that draw near to God. They're mediating between God and you. That, that they hear from God and then they come and tell you what God has to say today. And that's not New Covenant reality. The New Covenant reality is God is speaking to all of us. 
right? So this idea that only the priest could draw near to God, and, and, and it was common um, back in Moses' time, and the non-priests, they had to keep their distance, and, and there was a system under that covenant of, of priests and, and mediator and all that, but that's not how things are today. Because the blood of Jesus changed everything. The Savior's death, burial, and resurrection changed everything. The new birth changed everything. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost changed everything. Everything has changed. And it's time that there's a paradigm shift. There's a shift in our mind as the body of Christ engages into what God has always dreamed of is a kingdom of priests. So the question that I have, here's another question for you to ponder as we talk today, is does your relationship with God look more like an Old Testament Israelite or a New Testament spirit-filled believer? Does your relationship with God look of one that's disengaged, pulled back, dependent on others to hear from God, dependent from others to give you direction. Now, now I'm not saying that God doesn't use teachers and preachers and pastors and prophets and evangelists and apostles. He doesn't use those, but He used those to edify, to build up, to equip the church. He, He does not put the fivefold ministry in the body of Christ to entertain the church or to come and watch us do it, or to come and, and, and see how an evangelist evangelizes and bring your, fr- your friends so they can get saved. No, an evangelist should be teaching you how to evangelize, equipping you how to save your friends. Right? So what, what does your relationship look like? Does it look engaged as, as a spirit-filled believer or does it look disengaged as a one that has a chasm between them and God like an Israelite? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it tells us this day, it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are told to come boldly to the throne of grace. There is nothing separating you from the presence of God. Your body has now become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God lives within you. There is no separation. All separation is is a lie. He is closer than the air that you breathe and the skin that's on your bones. You have been engrafted into the Spirit of Christ. We have become one Spirit with Him. You have been baptized. You have been welded. You have been married. You have been joined to Christ. The common people in the Old Testament pulled back from God's presence, but we, all born-again children of God, are able to, to enter in and be near because of what Jesus Christ has done. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race. Do you remember what we talked about just a little while ago? About how God 
his, his desire to have a kingdom, his people would be a kingdom of priests. Do you remember that? And that didn't come to fruition? Look at what Peter tells us here in the New Covenant. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Do you see yourself as a priest in the kingdom of God. See, the Old, Old Testament system allowed only a select few to be priests. And here Peter is writing to multiple congregations in the body of Christ. He's writing this letter and sending it out to the churches. Right? And he told all of them, that every one of them, that they were a chosen generation, they were a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. What's priest is someone that intercedes for God. We're going to talk about this more next week. But a priest, don't think you, you think of you think of a job title or you think of someone that wears funny clothes or something. A priest is just someone that that mediates between people and God. Jesus is the high priest of our confession, right? And you have been made priest. You're an ambassador. That's a, that's, a, that's a more modern day kind of term. That you are representing someone. You are representing Christ. You are representing a kingdom. You, you are members of, of the body of Christ. And you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Each one of us is a priest in this place. Right? He says, he says that you are a chosen generation. God literally chose you. If you're sitting in this room here today, God chose you. You do not believe the lie that God doesn't think about you, that He doesn't desire you. He wooed you. He called you. The reason why you're here today is because God chose you, not because you chose God. And then He says that we are a holy nation. Again, our religious mind thinks of some, like something, something religious that we don't even really know what holy actually means. And, and the word holy means to be separate. God is all holy. He is holy. He is separate from everything. And in Christ Jesus, we have been called out. We are the called out ones and we have been separated unto God. And you are holy. Holiness is something you are. It's not something that you do. You have been made holy. And seeing, God, God said this to me. He said, be holy because I am holy. And I used to read that all the time as God saying, I'm holy. If you don't straighten up, if you don't act holy, you're not going to have any part with me. You better be holy. Now I hear the voice of the Father saying, Hey, son, I'm holy. And you are my offspring. You are my child. So you be holy also. It's God calling us up to a standard 
It's God calling us up to our true identity and not, not, not a burden that He's putting on our back. We are His own special people. You are special. You're a special person. And I don't think... Too, 2,000 years removed from this all taking place, I don't think we realize what a radical, revolutionary, transformational concept this is, what took place when Holy Spirit came into the earth. Uh, but Joel had prophesied this exact moment in history centuries before. In Joel chapter 2, uh, and, and, and Peter quotes Joel's prophecy on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the earth. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16, it says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares. So everybody likes to say, we're in the last days. Yeah, we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. And in these last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants. This marked an extreme shift among those that heard this in the streets of Jerusalem. No longer would, there only, would only the prophet, would only the priest, would only the king be anointed by the Spirit of God. The veil in the temple was torn right down the middle at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, and they all beheld a new great high priest through whom we approach God, Jesus Christ. You know, Paul taught that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. God, Jesus is our only, is the door to heaven. He is the only one that we go through to meet with God. No longer would Aaron and his male descendants be mediators between God and his people. This is what the Old Covenant believers desired to see, and this is what we get to live in. We get to be joined to God in the Spirit. We get to enter into His presence anytime we desire. We get, he, we get to walk and live life in partnership with Holy Spirit. All believers. There was 120 in the upper room, right? Jesus' mother was there. His half-brothers were there. The disciples were there. The women were gathered there. They were all together in one place. And they were all filled with the same exact Spirit. What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. No one was excluded. 
And don't allow yourself to be excluded from the gift of God. All believers, each one of them, they were all filled. This was not just the twelve. This wasn't just some exceptional holy people. This wasn't a peculiar priestly class of people. It was just believers. It was for every believer. God ex excluded none of them that were trusting in Him. And when we look at Joel's prophecy, which Peter quoted, we same, see the same inclusive language. I will pour out My Spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will, will experience dreams from God. I want you to know something. There isn't a baby Holy Spirit that comes in young people and, a, and an adult Holy Spirit that comes in older people. And Holy Spirit does not get weaker with your age. We like to think that, well, I'm, I'm young, I don't have nothing to offer. No, you had the same exact Holy Spirit that was poured on the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit that dwelled in Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that dwells in me. You have that dwelling in you. Young men, young women, old men, old women. See, we look at the flesh. We like to think, well, I'm getting up there in age. I don't have nothing to, to offer. I, 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 I'm retiring. No one really wants to hear what I have to say. That's all lies of the devil. We have such a vacuum in our culture of young people thinking that they know everything and old people disengaging from relationship with young people. But we don't live in that kingdom. We live in the kingdom of God. And that we should be showing them a different way. A different way. If you feel that ministry is someone else's responsibility, it's time to think again. What's the word ministry mean? It means to serve. I'm ministering to you right now. I'm serving you right now. We are all called to ministry. Now we all might not be called to be a preacher, to stand behind a pulpit. But we're all called to serve and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The time for believers to be disengaged and just observers concerning the things of God ended 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, the Spirit was poured out on all flesh. And today, the Word is everybody. Today, the Word is everybody. Everybody's included in the things of God. If you are young or old, a son or daughter, a man or woman, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You, along with every other believer, make up the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Most Christians get more excited about Israel building a third temple than they do about them being the temple of the Holy Spirit. This was God's desire from the very beginning. was for Him not to be living in a house made with human hands, but to be living within you. 
to be one with you. You, along with every believer, make up the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are members of the body of Christ. Think about this. And if you're not engaged, there's part of the body of Christ that it has paralysis. Just think if the body of Christ around the world was truly engaged in the things of God. Why does our world look like hell? Because of the church. Because of the church. We're not doing what we're called to do. Paul asked believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, do you not realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? We are all part and we are all vitally connected to God, but get this, we're also vitally we're connected to one another through the Spirit. Do you know that? Think about that. I, I don't know. Your mind, if you imagine on this stuff, just picturing how that we're all connected together. I think the only thing you can think of is like Wi-Fi, right? We all have different computers, but we're all connected to the same Internet through the Wi-Fi. We're all believers one another. We're all in the body of Christ. We're all temples of the Holy Spirit. And we're all connected to the one same God. God pours out His Spirit upon all of His children, not just a select few or a special class, as it used to be under the Old Covenant. This influence of God, God's Spirit, comes to produce an expression. God's Spirit put in you, it was put in you to express something. Joel and Peter both said that when the Holy Spirit came upon God's servants, they would what? Prophesy. In other words, God would put something on the inside of them so that He could get something on the outside of them. So something could come forth. Something could come out. We're going to talk about this more in this series too. But Paul said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. And then he says, but even more that you prophesy. God desires for all of us to prophesy, to edify, to encourage, to build up. We might not all be called to an office of a prophet, but God desires to speak things in your, to your spirit that you can turn around and give to another individual and see them radically transformed by the love and power of God. And and this isn't this is not for in the church. In in the church building is where we get equipped. The mission field is out there. It's out there. We can practice in here, right? But the mission field is out there. People would no longer. They would no longer have to go through an earthly mediator to access God. It was no longer just the prophet and the priest who were empowered, or the king that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
It was no, just, it was no longer just the wise old sage that, that heard God for the people on their behalf. God's Spirit was now poured out upon all flesh, young, old, male, and female. Now here's something that we have to understand. As powerful as Joel's prophecy was, it was limited in the scope. Prophets, prophets are not omniscient. They don't know all things. They, have to, they, have, they only know what the Lord specific, specifically reveals to them. And Paul wrote in Corinthians, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. See, there's this, there's this story of Jesus. There's this, there's this revelation, this revealing that is continually happening in, in the earth. And, and although Joel's prophecy was 100% accurate, it would later be amplified and expanded upon, especially as the church era began. And I, wanna, I want you to, here's a little imagery of understanding this progressive revelation of what God is doing in the earth and what, what God is revealing to the Holy Spirit. I mean, imagine being in a dark room. And, and if, you, if, you ha if you opened a door just a few inches, light from the hallway would shine in. And as that light comes into that dark room, you could start seeing things, right? You might not see things perfectly. You might be stumbling around. You might, you might stub your toe on something. But at least you're starting to get a picture of, of what's going on and how do we get out of this, this room, right? However, if the door progressively opens wider and wider and more light floods into the room, the objects become clearer and more distinct, right? The colors become more vibrant and distinguishable. That is what progressive revelation is. Joel prophesied part of that revelation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even, even though he did not have a complete revelation of everything that that would entail. What do I mean by that? God does not tell us everything. He knows all at once, right? Throughout the ages, God is continually revealing more and more of his plan to successive generations, and Jesus is the ultimate pinnacle of God's revelation. If you want to know what the mysteries of God is, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. No more looking for hidden mysteries of God. All the mysteries of God are wrapped up in one person, and his name is Jesus. And what Joel did not see is that the coming of the Spirit under the new covenant would also produce numerous additional expressions of Holy Spirit working through the lives of believers. He accurately saw God's covenant people, young, old, male, female, that they would, ex um, they would experience and express prophecy, that they would experience and, and, and uh, express visions and dreams, but he did not necessarily envision the seven grace gifts that are found in Romans chapter 12 or the nine manifestations of the Spirit list, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or the fivefold ministry office, offices listed in Ephesians chapter 4. See, the Holy Spirit did a lot, is doing a lot more in this day, in this age that we live in than Joel originally seen, right? Joel may not have known all the specifics that would come to the surface as, as the church age got underway, but he got us all pointed in the right 
direction. Amen? So here's another question for you to ponder. Are you thankful that you're living in this day? That you're living in this age where all believers can experience the fullness of Holy Spirit and the privilege of having God's goodness expressed through us by the means of heavenly gifts and graces? Do you, or do you take it for granted? Do you take it for granted? Do you understand what's in you? God has put something in you so that it can come out of you. You know, as I said, this, this series is a little different, and I really want people to engage in it. And uh, so I put together some questions for you guys to ponder, to meditate on in the coming weeks. And I'm, I'm going to put them on Realm. But I also, just because I'd rather everybody start using Realm, but I printed off a couple sheets in the back if you'd like to pick them up. Realm is it's, it's a great tool. We can communicate on it. We could say things that God's speaking to us on it. It's private, right? Only our church family sees it. So we can have interaction. Many of us live distances. We're not living close to each other. And it's an opportunity to be the church and edify and build and encourage one, one another up. Something that would be even better than that is maybe if you got together with other believers in this body and got together and had like a small group and went through these messages or these, these questions together. Because I really believe with all my heart that, that God is wanting to do something in our body that will totally transform how we, how we interact with the culture, the world that we live in. He wants to equip us. So here's the first question. Do you feel engaged or disengaged to the things of God? How do you perceive yourself compared to those you felt had some kind of special status with God? What needs to change to enable you to move into engagement in the kingdom of God? Some of these questions, we've got to look at the, some of the lies that we've believed or some of the convenient lies that we've used to be apathetic. There's something I forgot to tell you guys. Through this series, we're all, we're all going to get offended. So why as well say it right now. Say, I love Pastor Chad. There we go. The second question, again, these are going to be on Realm, and we got some sheets in the back. What does it mean to you to be part of a royal priesthood? That's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Number three, Paul taught that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. What implications does this have for you in your spiritual journey? Number four, how has God influenced you through the indwelling and empowering of His Spirit? What kinds of expressions have resulted 
from His presence and activity in your life. Church, we have all been given the Holy Spirit. And take this as an encouragement, not a criticism. It's not condemnation. But it's a loving pastor wanting you to experience everything that God has for you. There are, there, there are some Christians that have been believers for years and years. And you've never allowed Holy Spirit to work through you. You've always had to be the one that's in control. You've never stepped out of the boat into the waters. You've never grabbed someone by the hand and prayed for them. And prayed for them. You never have had an unction from the Holy Spirit and by faith you spoke it to someone and told them. I think God wants you to know this. And just say what God gives you and leave it there. There are Christians that haven't engaged into what God is wanting to do in the earth. And I hope through the wooing of the Holy Spirit you are hearing Him inviting you out of that dark room into His marvelous light. To a play, you know, everything that's exciting, the only reason it's exciting, there's a little bit of fear tied, tied to it. But listen, that fear too is just a lie. Because perfect love casts out fear. And when you are engulfed in the love of God, there is nothing, nothing to fear. Listen, God is even able to make your mistakes glorious. God is able to make your mistakes glorious. And if you're going to make a mistake, do it for the glory of God. Right? Make a mistake for the glory of God. When I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Even if I have to say, Lord, nothing was successful, but I, try, but I, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. We do not want to get to heaven and hear God say, well, you're done. And listen, it's, it's, it's an exciting life. It's an exciting life. So I want to encourage you. Get together. Get together with the spouse. Get together with friends. Get together in groups. Whatever. Get together on Realm. And discuss these things. See, God put something in you so that He can get something out of you. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. And God is inviting us to discover the fullness of who He has made us to be and what He has invested in our lives so that we can see the fullness of God's life on display through our lives as well, both vertically between us and God and horizontally between us 
and our fellow man. I've seen a sign before. It said, as people exit, exited the church building, it says, worship is now over. But know that your service is just beginning. And another familiar one, as you exit the parking lot, I've seen this before. Know, today, know that you are now about to enter the mission field. People are hurting. People want answers. People want to know that God is real. And you might be the only person that they meet that can show it to them. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for this gift of Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Father, we thank you that you have empowered us. You have given us the mind of Christ. You have transformed us. May we no longer see ourselves according to the philosophy of men. May we, may, may we not just see ourselves in the flesh, but we, that we would see ourselves in these new creations in Christ Jesus. That we would see ourselves as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That we would engage in the things of God. That we would no longer be apathetic, but that we would have a fiery zeal for the things of God. For Lord, I believe that we are living in a time where the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God need to be revealed. The earth is groaning and waiting for this revelation of the sons of God. So Father, I thank You. I thank You that as we step out of the boat, as we start acting as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, Holy Spirit, leads us, guides us, and empowers us in all that we do. We just worship you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.